And a part of me during that, when she went into that situation, after we made sure that she was okay, I'd ask myself, was my wife right? It's amazing how the dots connect themselves in chapter one. Because about a year and a half, two years before that, my wife told me that my daughter had autism. And me being who I am, I didn't think that was actually possible for a person like me. I didn't think I was better than anybody else at all. And never have I have in any case of such. I just didn't think that anything like that could happen to me. Welcome to another episode of Raw Storytelling, a podcast where real people share real stories, unscripted and uncensored. I'm Enid Nolasco. I am the host of Raw Storytelling, and I'm happy that we're here with a really special episode. The theme this month is Spectrum Stories of Autism. A country home, as a child I called my own, the older I get, the stranger it becomes. Long dirt road, a book in hand, I walked alone, wishing every page I turned would make me brave enough to run. Like I said, I am Enid and I am a brand designer. I am the founder of a branding and design studio called Raw Made. And from there came Raw Storytelling, which is a true storytelling podcast that I created because I wanted to bring together these amazing stories from everyday people and share them with the world. Originally, we were a live show that happened every month in South Florida, but since uh, COVID and the pandemic, we had to stop live shows and we're exclusively a podcast right now, which is even better because we get to now gather stories from all around the world. So where to find Raw Storytelling? You can find us at Raw Storytelling on Facebook and Instagram, or rawstorytelling.org. We're also known for our two raw to share. These are anonymous secrets that our fans fill out and we share the really juicy ones on our social media. For example, here's one that was sent in recently. It says, I burned my ex-husband's license and green card after catching him cheating. Oh my. If you have a two raw to share, go to rawstorytelling.org slash two raw, that's T-O-O-R-A-W. Or call our hotline, 786-361-6112. And right now you're listening to The Bows and Ties. They actually played live during this show back in September, where the stories that you'll hear on this episode came from. And I wanted to include one of their songs because they're so awesome. They were so gracious and such. They just created an amazing environment at that show. You can find them at The Bows and Ties on Instagram, SoundCloud, and everywhere else you find music. Thank you so much. They're so cool. The Bows and Ties. Check them out. As I mentioned, the story theme for this month is Spectrum Stories of Autism. One of my dear friends is an autism therapist and educator and community leader. Her name is Dr. Jenny Trocchio. And in case you don't know, April is Autism Awareness Month. And Dr. Jenny and I put our minds together to create an entire live raw storytelling show that celebrated autism. 
The show ended up being in September of 2019 for logistical reasons, but everything works out as it should because now I get to release these incredible stories in April. I co-hosted the live show with Dr. Jenny, so you'll hear her voice introducing the storytellers. And although we had a total of five storytellers on the live show, today we're featuring three stories and hope to release more in the future. If you want to know more about autism or you're seeking support, I encourage you to visit drjenny.co. That's D-R-J-E-N-N-I-E.co. Let's get the show started. So our next speaker is one of the most amazing, kind, humble, and personable humans I have ever met, which is surprising because he is also a orthopedic surgeon, a former orthopedic surgeon, and professional boxer, and author, and movie director, producer, yes, all of this in the same person. And he has locally started a local nonprofit called Different Brains, and he is a huge advocate for neurodiversity in this community. So I am so pleased to introduce the one, the only, Hacky Reitman. I'll pay the $100 later. Um, so I'm going to tell you a story how I got into this. And uh, earlier today, I was speaking down at the uh, Broward Mental Health Summit. And, you know, I always say, like, I was, I'm on these panels with psychiatrists, psychologists, People like Dr. Jenny have devoted their life to this, and I'm just some Johnny-come-lately to this. And I, So, you know, I'm just kind of almost like a layperson. So I'm just going to tell you my story, how I got into all these different brains and why we started differentbrains.org. So uh, my brain was a little bit different. I got expelled in the first grade and the 10th grade. And <laughs> my folks had a gas station in Jersey City, and I used to gas up. Dr. Aronoff's car, and I wanted to be like him because he was like, you know, uh, she mentioned Field of Dreams before. He was like that doctor in Field of Dreams, you know. He'd just make you feel good, walk in with the bag and the hat and the overcoat and everything, and I wanted to make people feel good. And despite my expulsions, I got into the six-year medical program, Boston University, came down here in 1978, started an orthopedic practice, had my wonderful daughter, Rebecca, who's my hero, and at age two, she had a seizure. And uh, we did a CAT scan on her brain, and it's something you don't want to hear from a neurologist and radiologist, and they look at a scan and say, I have no idea what the hell this is. It's 23 brain tumors here. And now we fast forward out to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and she's having this experimental surgery that she's not supposed to come out of. And I'm, any of you parents here? Anybody parents? Well, you know, when you get that pit in the stomach feeling that you make any kind of deal with God, you can just say, oh, let my kid do all right. So I made some deals in the waiting room and in the post-op recovery room. And uh, during that time, I witnessed people going through bad dreams. You know, I call mine the bad dream you get to wake up from where where there was this, uh, everybody was real nice. It's like a little fraternity in the waiting room there in the recovery area for the post-surgery. And uh, everyone was nice except this one woman was screaming at her husband, if you were a man, 
you'd get that liver transplant for your daughter. And uh, one day I walked in and everybody was sky high, the guys handing out cigars. We got a liver transplant. Ran across the street, brought everybody back coffee, came back in. Only one person was left, this guy. What happened? Bad weather, the plane got diverted and they gave the liver away. His daughter died. My daughter lived. And so I picked out something. I said, well, you know, I was a Golden Gloves champ first year in medical school. I'm going to go back to boxing. I'm going to generate money. I'm going to generate concern for children's causes. And I'm going to donate all the purses to children's charities. So I was really lucky and I worked real hard while I was an orthopedic surgeon. And I had 26 pro heavyweight fights. And my daughter would come to the fights, Rebecca, and she was a little bit different. She didn't, she didn't like to hang around with a bunch of other kids. She liked to study a lot, loved mathematics. And I don't know, she was, a, she was just a little bit different. And I did manage to get the bully pulpit. I got to, you know, Good Morning America and Roy Firestone, New York Times. I got to meet with the President of the United States, George H. Bush, the senior, to discuss children's problems with him and his, his wife, Barbara. And uh, my daughter, meanwhile, was growing up, and she decides she wants to get a discrete mathematics degree, whatever that is, at Georgia Tech. And she gets into Georgia Tech, and she's having problems. She's having problems with roommates. She's having problems with different social situations. Some's a little bit different. I'm not sure what it is, but she takes on the whole system there and emerges victorious which so inspired me, I wrote, produced, and directed the movie The, the Square Root of Two. Uh, Darby Stansfield, some of you may have seen her on Scandal. She's Abby on Scandal, uh, starred in that. And then right when I'm getting ready to release the movie, my daughter Rebecca decides she wants to tutor kids with Asperger's and autism at Cumberland Academy of Georgia. And I said, why don't you get a real career like teaching? She goes, Dad, you don't get it. Every brain is like a snowflake. No two are alike. You can't do it like that. I didn't get it. She walks into the school, gets interviewed, and the owner of the school says, hey, doc, you know, your daughter has Asperger's. And me being a brilliant MD says, what's that? Well, it's on the spectrum of autism. What's that? I hold up release of the movie because I figured I should find out what the movie was about. And <laughs> I study for a couple of years and when I have my aha moment, it all made sense. And that's when I wrote the book Asper Tools, the practical guide to understanding and embracing Asperger's, autism, and neurodiversity because by then I realized it's not just about autism or Asperger's or brain tumors or mental health issues, or PTSD, or neurological issues, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinsonism, you name it. It's all of the above. And then I started speaking around the country on it. And lo and behold, I end up this one night after speaking in Tucson, Arizona. I was a keynote speaker with the grand the grand person of all of autism is Temple Grandin. Some of you may have seen her HBO, that Claire Danes portrayed her, won seven Emmys. And I end up in a surrealistic moment 
sitting at a bar with Temple Grandin. She's, she's drinking water, I'm drinking something stronger. And, and her book is right next to my book, you know, kind of thing. And I'm, I don't belong there, you know what I mean? I, 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 it was like in boxing, I got to spar with 38 world champions over many years, and I didn't belong in the same ring with them, you know? And here's Temple Grandin, and as a parent, about <clears throat> once every 10 years or so, you really do something that works out good for your kid, and your kid appreciates it. And I said to Temple Grandin, would you talk to my daughter, Rebecca? She says, sure. I put him on the phone. I'm just hearing Temple Grandin's side of the conversation. They talk for about 10 minutes, covering things I know nothing about. I get off the phone. She autographs her book to, uh, to my daughter, Rebecca. And I, I said to Temple Grandin, listen, Temple, I can't thank you enough and everything. What's the one thing out of everything? What's the one thing I should remember about autism? And she just said that just like anybody else, you go with the strengths, you discipline when you need to, and you make them expand the comfort zones, okay? And she was telling me how her aunt used to make her drive and do things she just didn't want to do. When I wrote the Asper Tools book, I wrote a bunch of tools in there. That's why I'm into trying to do things that uh, can make things better. That's what we do with different brains. We mentor these 18 and plus year old uh, neurodivergent interns who make all our media, documentaries, movies, and everything. And what I found out is, and what I wanted to share with you tonight, is that all of these tools work for all of our brains, whether we're talking about mental health challenges, which we all have, anxiety, PTSD, you name it, whether we're talking about depression, whether we're talking about developmental disorders, learning disabilities, all of these same tools, such as good diet, good exercise, all the things that make common sense, the most important thing that all the studies are showing that I just wanted to share with you tonight is what you all are doing tonight. It's socialization socialization. Isolation is the number one thing that's creating more and more problems. Over in England, they appointed a minister of loneliness because it's a big, big problem. And what the people like Enid Nolasco and Evan Snow and Jenny Trocchio and people like yourselves do is we're all here together. We're all doing our best. And that's the best we can do. Thank you very much. I told you he was awesome, isn't he? <laughs> 
And for anyone who wants a resource, the Asper Tools is an incredible book, an incredible resource guide. Um, I, I have college, um, college students use it as a textbook. It's that good. Um, so I am now pleased to introduce our next speaker, who I've also had the privilege of hearing speak at a Creative Zen. Um, and actually also at a So Far Sounds concert, which is an amazing monthly event. Um, but actually, before I met him, I met his wife, which is pretty fun. I met her um, during a, a monthly parent support group that I co-lead with the amazing Dr. Lena Moyano at We Rock the Spectrum. We have Carmen here from there representing. And I met this amazing woman, and she was just incredible. She was glowing. She was a speech and language pathologist. And we had this amazing conversation. And, and, and then we said goodnight. The night was over. And the following night, I heard the most incredible spoken word I have ever heard. And I really hadn't heard a lot of spoken word, but it gave me chills, which told me it's probably some of the best I've ever heard. And, and as I was leaving, pretty much in tears, a woman chased after me, tapped me on the shoulder, and it turns out the wonderful woman I met at We Rock the Spectrum is the wife to the incredible next speaker that we're about to have. And another very cool tidbit, not only does he have an amazing way with words and with poetry, but he just had two twins less than a week ago. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. He is magical. He can keep a hat on his head in ways that no one understands. He will bring you to tears. I'm proud to introduce Quick the Poet. Chapter one. <laughs> it's a survival of the fittest. That is what I consistently tell them. My wife and children, that is. Especially my eldest daughter who endlessly have people hunting her diagnosis of autism on the spectrum like one of those mysterious creatures that haunted a Quiet Place. Has anybody in this room ever seen the movie The Quiet Place? If you've never seen The Quiet Place, see it. It's one of the most incredible movies I've ever seen because it does something in between that I'm not really good at, being silent. I thought that my daughter one day would get us killed. True story. I was hit by a car when I was seven years old. When they dragged me out of the street, the only thing I remember was eventually being dragged into an ambulance where my grandmother was, and she kept saying, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. Fast forward. I'm at my apartment, and my daughter's laughing, and I see a car coming. And I tell her, Aaliyah, come back. Come back, and she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, and I see the car coming, and I say, Aaliyah, come back, uh-uh, uh-uh, and Aaliyah sprints into the traffic. The car stops inches from her. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. I didn't know how to explain it. 
I grabbed her and shook her at the same momentum that my mother shook me at it every time that I got myself in trouble when I was younger. Because I thought I lost her. Like my grandmother thought she lost me. God rest her soul. I spent two weeks in the hospital bleeding internally with a scar that I went on the middle of my stomach like a badge when it comes to the cut of my abs. Most people think that it's from weights, but it's, it comes from how they cut me. And a part of me during that, when she went into that situation, after we made sure that she was okay, I'd ask myself, was my wife right? It's amazing how the dots connect themselves in chapter one. Because about a year and a half, two years before that, my wife told me that my daughter had autism. And me being who I am, I didn't think that was actually possible for a person like me. I didn't think I was better than anybody else at all. And never have I have in any case of such. I just didn't think that anything like that could happen to me. Fast forward to chapter two. I leave my job to go get my kids because we're going to the movies. I decide to take them to a, a sensor-friendly movie. Show of hands of anybody that's been to a sensor-friendly movie. If you've never been to a sensor-friendly movie, go to a sensor-friendly movie. It taught me a lot about my daughter. I go into the sensor-friendly movie and kids are running everywhere. I don't understand it. Where's the control of these parents? Why are these kids running everywhere? <laughs> How come I can't hardly hit a movie? So I storm out of the movie theater and I go to the young lady at the front desk and I say, ma'am, <laughs> I don't know what kind of damn circus y'all are running, <laughs> but y'all need to get this shit together. She said, sir, what's the issue? I said, ma'am, first of all, the volume is low in the fucking theater. That's one. Two, kids running everywhere. Three, I'm trying to reprimand mine, but everybody else is looking at me crazy. See a sensor-friendly movie, and you'll get it. She said, sir, I don't know if you know how sensor-friendly movies operate, but everything is fine in the theater that you're in. I said, listen, <laughs> you're fucking crazy. <laughs> you are. I can hardly hear the movie. Did you hear me when I said that? Customer service first. Y'all got my money for these tickets. She said, sir, go enjoy the movie. Trust me. So I go back into the theater, right? I sit down. I see my eldest daughter. I see my youngest daughter at that period of time. And they are playing and they are running and they are yelling. Other kids are running and they are yelling. And the parents, they are sitting back and they are relaxing. And I noticed that the parents were sitting back and they were relaxing. The movie was still going. And I noticed that I was the only uncomfortable person in the room. See a sense of friendly movie. 
And a sense of friendly movie, what I've come to learn is, is that it has nothing to do with you whatsoever. It's about the comfortable nature of the kids and the parents in that realm. Hence of why I was so uncomfortable trying to watch the movie. Everybody else was at peace watching the movie and spending time. Once I picked up on it, if everybody would take a moment and don't say anything, this is exactly how it felt when I eventually picked up on that energy. At that very moment, within a 10, spe 10 second span, I could hear the movie. <laughs> Only the movie. I saw the kids playing, but eventually it got to a point where I found that it was never about me in any case at all. It was always about my oldest daughter, Aaliyah. And to see the energy that my, my youngest at that time, Ariana, exuded in energy with her sister was one of the most incredible things that I'd ever seen in my life. I thought I always had control of everything. But the truth in chapter two is, is that I had control of nothing. Aaliyah controlled everything. Fast forward to chapter three. Just like Tom Cruise and Raymond, who played Charlie and Raymond in the 80, or Char Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman, who played Charlie and Raymond in the 88 film Raymond, ultimately pulled it off brilliantly, displaying the beauty of what happens when you learn to understand a rain man or woman. Just recently, I actually really truthfully understood my daughter, my eldest. The one they say that has autism. I was angry at her for um, spilling her juice. Whew. And though it seems so simple, it was something that I had gotten used to. It wasn't the juice, it was the mistake. It wasn't just a mistake in itself, it was about her making more and more mistakes, not realizing the reality behind her. Not realizing the time she was almost hit by a car. Not realizing the time that I thought that it was reckless that she was running through a movie theater. Not realizing that every time that she spilled, dropped, or broke anything, how much energy I exuded pouring into her with the most extreme measures, verbally. I didn't get her. I didn't. Until the twins came. Which just happens to be a week ago. I never thought that I'd have a chance to witness the, the greatness in her, in her intelligence so early. Everything that I asked of from her, 
was exuded. The gentle nature and love of her sisters. The leadership she showed was just simply going to get the bike out and saying, you know, Ari Scooter, Scooter, as in Ari, get your Scooter. The babies, she calls them babies. And I never would have thought that she'd remember that Amora is baby A and Alexandra is baby B. Because she was like, baby, baby A, baby, 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 baby A, baby, baby B. And I kept trying to correct her pronunciation when her pronunciation was always right in that moment. I learned a lot about my daughter and myself over the last week of my life, though she's been alive for the last seven years. She is the reason that my household stays together the way it does. She is the reason that my wife's vision is where it is that it is. She is the reason that her youngest or now middle sister, Ari, feels like she's strong enough to take on the world. And she is the reason that I can get sleep at night with these twins. <laughs> no one is exempt in any case that I've come to find in any story when it comes to autism. We either directly or indirectly connected in some formality when it comes to autism. And inserts that I've put into my story about autism, it brings me back to the closing line of that poem in itself called Wonder World that is about my eldest daughter, Aaliyah who helps the world stay together. I want everybody to remember this. Silence is so beautifully revealing in that quiet place of special needs supporters. And it's so amazing when you decide to believe in and support people like us when you quit thinking of them as dummies, like they say in the Acura commercial, something amazing happens. Fact and period. I love you. I appreciate you all. Enid, this has been a pleasure and an honor. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks to my producer, I brought maybe eight to ten CDs. If you all are interested, I have a few in the corner. You can feel free to get them. They're only $10. If you do not, in all love, if nothing else, like I say at my other shows, please, if nothing else, please find a way. Let me help get to you so I can just give you a hug because I don't know if I'm never going to see none of y'all good folk again. And um, life is about good energy. It's not just about autism in itself. It's about the love and the balance of uniting with each other amongst folks who also have autism. I love you.
And then here's our two rod to share. I'm a little in love with the character from Atypical on Netflix, but he's way younger than me. Aww, aww. But it's also he's an actor. He's a not, not. It's not in love with the actor. In love with the character. So he's not really real. Well, a little bit of problems there. <laughs> so our next storyteller is Danny Finkelstein. He's a professional, intuitive speaker, and he inspires individuals on their life path. And his story is titled "Awesome Incredible." Come on. Before I get started, anybody have stage fright? Anybody ever deal with that? You, you, yeah? My dad taught me when I was in grade school before you get on stage, and this is Ross, so I can't really do this anywhere else, but here. She was cursing, so I'm gonna just go for it. He's like, just check your zipper, make sure it's up, and you got no more stage fright. You're good to go. So I'm good to go. <laughs> All right, let me start my phone here. Uh, my name is Danny, and this is my story. Um, I want to begin by thanking uh, a need for telling me to go and tell a story without notes, which I don't have a problem getting up on stage, but I need my notes so I can keep my format. And without my notes, I don't know what. So I'm doing that, and this is because of her passion. I want to thank, and I did put some names down because I don't want to forget names. And Lena, thank you for your, uh, thank you for being there for me. Jenny, thank you for your awesome support. Um, Roxy, Rachel, thank you for being here. And thank you for the friendship. Uh, Brian, give a shout out to my fellow board member, Brian. He, this is his place. And I'll just say if anybody here ha knows or has a business startup or tech startup, he is the, this is his specialty, so please speak with him and you can pay me my commission. Just kidding. Um, so, uh, in the beginning, no, this is not a Bible story. Um, uh, my story starts when I was born. I guess that's about right. I had, uh, <laughs> I have perfect Jewish parents and I was crawling in the carpet it was an orange carpet, I remember, vividly. It was a nice carpet. It was uncomfortable, and I knew there was something wrong. I really did. I was, uh, there were other people nearby in the room, and I was disconnected. This is a one-year-old. Um, and then a couple years later, about three, four years old, I was on a family ski trip, and to be a, as long as you can walk, they'll teach you how to ski. Uh, it's a Colorado thing. Uh, we're at the Denver International. We're at the Denver Airport. I'm looking out a big window. Again, I'm isolated. I'm alone. But I wasn't that far away from my parents. I was like three, four years old. And I had a vision. It was my first vision. My second vision is coming up. I knew there was. I knew I could use my mind to get on the other side of this problem in my mind. Um, and I have autism, didn't know that till last year. But, and at that age, I re intuitively thought of, I will not be hindered. Now most people, I would assume in my situation would think suicide or giving up, 
But I was too young to even know those concepts, so I only knew one thing. I will do this because I can, and I'm only three years old, but that's what I got. I, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I then went to the top psychiatrists, probably over a dozen of them, and, and I'm just going to say this. The word choice I used tonight is probably not socially acceptable. It's probably not used in the autism community. I speak for myself tonight. I'm one in nine billion individuals, and there's only eight billion people on this planet, so I'm really unique, and I speak only for myself, but my vocabulary has been verified, and I, I hate that word, it's overused in the computer industry, it's creepy, but my vocabulary has been verified uh, by medical doctors to be correct. So again, this applies to me, nobody else, and I speak for me. Um, Moving on, so I went to these doctors and there's a tragic problem that I don't know how many of you know it, but I, I'm going to bring this, now I'm getting a little excited here, but I will bring this to the country, I will bring this to the world. Psychiatry does not recognize autism high spectrum. It is a developmental disorder, that's one vocabulary word um, that fits me, um, and uh, I was misdiagnosed with several with several mental illnesses, OCD, bipolar, I don't have those, but I have symptoms of them. Learning disability, sciatica, burning, I have definite symptoms of that. Um, and it all came from discomfort. Uh, but I looked at each of these good caring doctors and I said to them, as a kid, I said, I disagree with your medical opinion of me, but who was I to say? But I'm doing it my way. Um, so I also was given advice, wrong advice from family, friends, psychologists, doctors, everybody, rabbis, everybody. I even met a priest here and there. Wrong advice. Uh, they said, you're your own worst enemy. You're overanalyzing. You're too hard on yourself. You're your own worst enemy. And I just realized, and, and for me, I, you know, there was nobody for me. I was here for me, it was up to, I had two choices, die or succeed. And I didn't know the concept of like dying, I didn't know that, so I had one direction to go, I didn't know any other direction. So I decided to analyze, I decided to isolate myself and get out there when I could, and I used failure and I understand what it means to go low and be low. So suicidal people are down here, and I was way down here. It's what I call thousands of times, thousands. So I can look at anybody in the world, any individual, and look at them in the eyes and say, I know what it feels like to suffer. And what I did, I called it survival mode, caveman mentality, when I'm way down here. And I took each, I, I didn't have time for drugs or alcohol. I needed my mind, I needed to feel everything. I needed to become aware of the signals that were coming to me so I could learn. Because that's what autism is. It's a disorder for me, I speak for me. It's a disorder and I was born without the common sense of 
you know, Jewish young professional guy said to me, hey, just go do it, just go talk to them. Uh, well, in preschool, I didn't have the common sense to connect with the kids in preschool. I, I had to teach myself. There was nobody out there to teach me. Now there is, there's some certain heroes like Jenny right here. There's, they, they can teach it, but good luck because the psychiatrists are not gonna send people like me that are high spectrum autism or Asperger's. Those people have a high suicide rate, unemployment rate. I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm going a little long on time, but I'm getting into this thing. All right. So, um, all right. Whoops. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, 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 I had to help myself because I knew nobody was coming to my rescue. And then, and recently, I'm just going to put this in. Recently, I see this cancer be supportive of the community, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, not me. There is no community to build me. My parents offered me a million dollars to go back on medication. They offered, they upped it, I'll buy you a new house. And it, it, within a second, I'm like, no, my, I, I'm doing this my way. Um, recently, I have successfully identified and solved all of my autism symptoms. I can, in an instant, and I say instant, less than an instant. I can recognize a symptom of autism in individuals. And within two minutes, if it's appropriate for me to say hello, and I've done this randomly, I ask him a couple questions, and boom! I can identify autism high symptom because I get it. I, so that's, so I, for the first time, as of recently, I feel comfortable, I feel content, I have a global vision and the energy to make it happen. I'm an intuitive speaker in the industrial form of a life coach. I teach individuals using the intuitive method I taught myself. And you know what? Because I don't use notes, I forgot to, maybe I did explain it. I identify, I solve, I implement that solution I practice implementing, which is really embarrassing when you mess up, but I know that I'm implementing. And I can be a whole different individual within 24 hours. And I self-taught, I've never read a book in psychology in my life. I don't learn this stuff on YouTube. But you know what I did learn last year? I just wanna share this little tidbit. I walked out of this restaurant and I was literally practicing. I didn't know why I was there. I just wanted to have safe, a safe space for learning, whatever was coming my way. And I walked out after learning a lesson on self-expression because I said something and what I was thinking didn't come out, it, it didn't work. And I walked out and like within seconds I said, I have to learn small talk. Now I didn't even know what small talk was but intuitively it came to me. And Roxy, you'll remember last year, last summer I called you, I said, what is small talk? I spent 18 hours on YouTube <laughs> and like I said, I'm going to bring it back. Nobody is going to teach me this stuff. So I figured it out. Thank God for those third graders who put up those elementary type of YouTube videos I could learn how not to interrupt. <laughs> I can't thank them because that would be weird. 
<laughs> um, um, so I learned small talk. I can explain it. It's very simple. And I'm good at it. But I had no conceivable idea how to do that. I have done... I got, I'm twice elected at a local level. I'm a precinct committee person. And I can't even, I didn't even know how to connect with people. But I knew how to knock on a door and say, I'd love to have your vote. Past that, I, I don't ha I did not, ha I knew that my energy was negative. I would push people away. Not, I, I didn't know how to interact. I didn't know how to behave. Well, going back to, where I was, um, visually I'm going to, and, and, and being with this autism thing, I'm not, I don't walk around with a name tag that says I have autism. Uh, I, I am who I am, I happen to have it. It's an awesome, incredible power, but it's not what I am, it just happens to be one of my talents. Um, so I am, like I said, I have a global vision. I'm an intuitive speaker. I teach individuals how to reach, how to make their goals happen using the same technique I taught myself. Now, the curriculum for life coaches or psychologists is, um, and, and again, I, uh, uh, it is self-discovery. I don't use that. I use teaching. Now, imagine inspiring a global population to think for themselves just a little bit more than what is done now. And as I was growing up, as I was going through all this, I, I realized there are people that happen to have autism, but like Einstein, they come around every 50 years or so, and I've been wondering, who are these people that improve civilization? I, I know he did the atomic bomb, but, but he, who are these people, right? I am one of those people. My name is Sire, and this is my story. agree that Danny is a rock star now when it comes to stage presence and speaking, right? And relating to other people. That was amazing. We are so, that was, that was mind-blowing. That was so impressive. I just, Danny is an incredible human being and just to see that happen was, it gives me chills. That's it for today's episode. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Every little bit helps. And if you have a question or comments, you can email me at Enid, that's E-N-I-D, at rawstorytelling.org. I encourage you to sign up for our newsletter at rawstorytelling.org or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at rawstorytelling for the latest news. And thank you to Dr. Jenny Trocchio for being my energetic and gracious co-host. Huge thanks to Fabia Lozada, who's our podcast editor. I could not do this without you, for real. And Cafe Collective was our host venue. Raw Storytelling is a production of Branding and Design Studio Raw Made. Learn more at rawmade.co. 
Again, thank you to the Bows and Ties that you're hearing right now. You can find them at the Bows and Ties on Instagram, SoundCloud, and everywhere else. And also in this episode, you heard music by Scott Holmes. Until next time, keep it raw. Square the cool when cubs meet. First broken heart, I was. T-